0: As we approach the festival of Shavuot, also known as Pentecost, it is imperative for us to not only be reminded of what Shavuot is all about, that cherished gift of the Holy Spirit God has given his people, but also to be reminded of what Israel was commanded to do, and that is to guard the temple. See. The Holy Spirit resides within the temple, whether that is the temple as it was given to Moses and Israel, or whether that even references the temple as we have been given a temple, the temple of man, which the Holy Spirit has come to indwell. And see, whenever the Holy Spirit indwells a temple, it should only be natural for us to understand that our enemy, our adversary, Hasatan, is after destroying that temple. He is always looking to remove us from the presence of the Holy Spirit, and so that is why today I would like to speak to you about what the Scripture says regarding guarding the temple and also the three different ways, biblically speaking, by which Satan strategizes to attack the temple. Today, I want to start with reading numbers three, verse eight, as Israel was commanded regarding this in the wilderness. And we see that it says they shall guard all the furnishings of the tent of meeting and keep a guard over the people of Israel as they minister at the tabernacle. We see that the Levitical priests were commanded to keep a guard over the temple and its furnishings, as well as over the people ministering at the temple. Keep a guard against what? Obviously, physical threats, but I want to submit to you, it also pertains to spiritual warfare, a spiritual threat. For the scripture says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but principalities, spiritual powers waging war against the kingdom. And so if the enemy tries to attack the temple. But he fails. Would he not try to attack the people? And what if the people have become the temple? Would that enemy not go after trying to divorce the people from the Spirit of God? God indeed has made us priests and made us the temple. We are the people and we are the temple. And we are, therefore, as priests, to keep guard over each other as the people of God and over the temple entrusted to us as individuals. I want to go to the life of Jesus when Yeshua was in his wilderness, similar to how Israel was in the wilderness here in Numbers, Yeshua was attacked. He was in a spiritual war. And his temple specifically was under attack. Yeshua had just been baptized. And as he came out of the water, it is written that the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness in order to be tempted by the devil. The Holy Spirit was now residing in his temple and the enemy didn't like it. We read of the first attack here. And Matthew 4 verse 2 and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry and the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Yeshua turned down a bread that was offered by Satan because he was more hungry for something else. See, there are two types of bread in this world. Earthly bread. The kind of bread that you can find in your kitchen that you eat to nourish your flesh so that the hunger that your flesh has is subdued. But then there is another type of bread, a spiritual bread of the presence. This is represented by the bread that was within the temple itself, and that bread is to be in the presence of the Father in heaven. Yeshua spoke in another place and said to his disciples, I have a bread which you do not know about. This bread is to walk in the ways and will of his father and to be in his father's presence because doing the father's will is being in his presence. But then now, Yeshua, being in the wilderness, rejecting the earthly bread offered by Satan, is really saying, I prioritize the presence of my father and that bread over any earthly bread that could be for my flesh, causing his flesh to not have its way, having self-control and denying himself in order for the will of the father to rule in his life. And therefore, when Yeshua was attacked in the spiritual realm, the enemy was actually seeing the bread of the presence in Yeshua's temple. And he didn't like it. He wanted to convince Yeshua to give up the bread of the presence for an earthly bread instead. That brings us to a big question. Have we allowed worldly distractions, the bread of this world, the fillings of this world, to take the place of God in our life? Have we exchanged the bread of the presence to spend time with Him in prayer and to speak with Him and to do His will? Have we exchanged that with things in this world? Even things that aren't necessarily evil but simply distractions. God calls us to give up something, to even fast deny our flesh what it desires so that we can grow closer to the Father and ensure we have the bread of the presence, a higher type of bread, a more nourishing bread in our temples. But now I want you to notice something about how the enemy proposed all of this to Yeshua. He told him, Why don't you command these stones to become bread? Yeshua had the Holy Spirit in him, Yeshua had the ability to do many mighty miracles. And now the enemy comes and he points to that ability and asks Yeshua to use that ability to please his flesh. Notice. How the enemy wants us to use the heavenly gifts of the Holy Spirit that God has given his people for the purposes of pleasing our flesh instead of the building of God's kingdom. Another clear example of this in the disciples was when they said, well, should we not call call down fire upon them from heaven? Yeshua rebuked them, saying their thoughts are from Hasatan himself. Disciples wanted judgment upon a people and they wanted to use their God given authority, so to speak, to bring that about. How can we fall into that same pit today? I want to submit to you, there are many ways. For example, people with a gift of teaching have to make sure that they do not allow their gift of teaching and knowledge and wisdom to cause them to become puffed up using their gift for their own building of something instead of for the kingdom of God or considering themselves as better than someone else, because God has given them a intellectual gift. Another thing to watch out for is using the gift of prophecy to scare your enemies by giving prophecies of words that God has not spoken, but that you speak in order to have control and manipulation over others. We have seen this with many of the Trump prophecies that happened a year or two ago. And as these prophecies were sent out for political mandates by the spiritual leaders, they were doing it to please their own fleshly desires. They were not giving prophecies for the kingdom of God. Another example of using prophecies for a fleshly ambition is when prophecies are spoken, which the Lord had not given by a ministry to get themselves in the limelight, to get the attention, and to, more importantly for them, perhaps even, to have people come back and back and back for the next prophecy. There is this need for new prophecies to be generated so that there is more attention on that ministry. Now, of course, we have to be careful so as to not judge actual prophecies from the Lord as being false just because we don't like where it comes from or what it is saying. But as ministers, we and as the people of God, we must always do introspection and be careful as to where words come from and ask others to come and speak into our lives as to as we submit our prophecies to the prophets as the scripture mandates. It is not supposed to all take place in a vacuum. A number three example of how heavenly gifts can be abused for prideful fleshly exaltation is regarding casting out demons. Demons can be cast out with wrong motives. If the deliverance minister desires to simply grow influence and authority in the body of Christ as some big spiritual figure, we must remember that casting out demons is a, an authority that it comes with being a believer. It doesn't make you special or powerful because you have the ability to tell a demon to leave because the power is in the name of the Messiah, not in your own name, but acting like it is your name, your ability is something that can cause pride to puff us up. And so I think the pattern so far certainly is that with all of these gifts, it is the heart of the minister of the person exercising it. That has to be kept in check. We have to make audit our hearts and come before the Lord and 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 ask him to pierce our hearts and and keep us humble and able to be teachable and to hear his voice and vulnerable and. To be responsible in how we walk them out. The next example I want to talk about is the gift of discerning spirits. We can abuse the gift of discerning spirits for our own fleshly desires. If we either falsely accuse someone of having a certain spirit or even In truth, discern a certain spirit operating behind a person, but share that discernment at the wrong time and or to the wrong people. Because when we discern something, even truthfully, we have to follow the biblical protocol of approaching that person with it first and then perhaps approaching elders if needed in the church But you do not go and tell everyone in the church. If you do not follow biblical protocol, what it does is it exposes that you have an evil, fleshly desire and motive behind your discernment. And so therefore, it is important that if we discern whether whether it's true or false, it doesn't matter, we must be loving in how we approach that. We must be gracious in how we approach that. And when we follow that path, then the hearer will have his or her ears more open towards what we have to say. The gift of discernment has not been given for us as an excuse to gossip or degrade others. It has been given for us to encourage one another in the Lord. It has been given for us to call righteousness to the forefront of everyone's lives, but not out in public in private first and foremostly. Next, I'd like to touch on the gift of speaking in tongues. If we exercise the gift of tongues in a public atmosphere, it is important for us to audit our hearts to make sure we're not just doing it because someone else is doing it. We're therefore not just doing it to get attention to fit in or whatever of that nature. We must always approach all the gifts of the Lord in fear and trembling and in God, use me, use me, use me as I humbly walk this out. And then with the interpretation of tongues. When we interpret, we must be careful, just like someone with a gift of prophecy. We must be careful to speak that of the Holy Spirit and not speak what we want to see, what we think our desires over as being the interpretation for a tongue. That is why it is quite important also when we interpret a tongue to lay that before others in the body who can discern what we have to say. Another way that heavenly gifts can be used for fleshly exaltations is the monetization of the gifts. When Yeshua sent out his disciples, he said this regarding the gifts. Matthew ten seven. the kingdom of heaven has come near, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons freely. You have received freely give. We cannot charge for ministering freedom and we cannot charge for conducting miracles or any spiritual gift for that matter freely we have received the Holy Spirit and freely without monetization charging we give that is imperative the moment that we start charging for the gifts we act as if we paid a high price to get it. But the reality is, is that Yeshua paid the price for us to have it. He did not lay his life down so we can sell it. He laid it down freely so we can give it freely and minister him to others freely. And lastly, I would like to touch on two types of abuses of spiritual authority. Firstly, within leaderships. When someone is a spiritual leader of a congregation or a household, for that matter, or a nation, whatever degree that is, there is always the potential for the corruption of a heart, of a leader, and that, them going to manipulate others into having their way. That, whether that is for monetary gain, whether that is in the case of many um extreme situations of cults with the leader getting all the wives or whether that is the simple giving of messages that promote the flashly interests of the leader. In James three, verse three, it says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Not many should become teachers. It is easy to manipulate people by guiding their whole bodies through giving them something, a carrot on a stick to run after. If we do that with our own interests at play, we manipulate the people of God and teachers will be judged more strictly for what we say and how we say it. But of course, Leaders are not the only ones who need to be careful as the body of Christ as a whole. We each have been given a gift and a role and authority as believers in this world to be ambassadors of Christ and represent him well. But if we gossip, if we slander, if we degrade others, if we if our mouths are like a sword, causing disunity. If we do this, we will misrepresent Christ. And as the scripture says, the one who cannot tame his tongue, his religion is worthless. I would like to now speak about the second attack of the enemy towards Yeshua. We see him next go to try and have Yeshua test the father. Matthew four, verse five. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands. They will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Notice how Satan asked Yeshua to jump from the pinnacle of the temple itself, the temple that given to us all that cherished possession of the father, that instrument of life. The enemy wants us to jump from the pinnacle of the temple, he wants to Use the temple as it was given to give life. He wants to use it to produce death instead. He wants to use your temple to produce death instead. And we ultimately are the ones who will die if we fall for the lies of the enemy when we fall for his lies we jump from our temples that very thing that was supposed to be a blessing not only to us but this entire world and that is if we abuse the spiritual gifts God has given us, if we abuse our spiritual authority, either as leaders or believers, if we abuse the fact that we, rep- mis- we represent his name, but we misrepresent it instead, we take his name in vain. And this should put fear in us because Yeshua said there is a blasphemy of the son that I would even forgive you of. But the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, I will not forgive you of. I'm saying this not to describe what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is, but to make the point that Yeshua considered evil done against the Holy Spirit as an even greater offense than evil done against the son. And that means that when we walk in the Holy Spirit, we must do so in great fear, great trembling, looking for his will above our own, his desires above our own so that we can see his kingdom come above our own. But of course, what the enemy wants us to do is test God. That's why he told Yeshua, Go and do this. But Yeshua says, I will not test God. See, it is in following the voice of the enemy instead of the voice of the father that we will stumble. And ultimately, when we do fall from that temple, we may even point the finger at God saying, how could he have allowed that to happen? But ultimately, we were the ones who tested God and we will be the ones who reap the consequences of that. For example, we cannot say, oh, we're following God, but then we go and have children out of wedlock, disregarding God's design and mandate of marriage. And then when consequences of that sin comes into our lives, We then can't be angry at God saying, God, how could you allow this to happen when we were the ones to walk out outside of his will, out from under his protection, doing our own thing? We have left the presence of God. He has not left us, but we have left him. It is never too late, no matter what decision we've made, to come back to him, to repent of our sins and to ask him to come and fill our lives with his Holy Spirit. But it is important to recognize that the enemy's main plan is to turn us against God, to make us think that either he is against us or that he has done evil against us. And if he can do that, if he can fool us into believing that lie, then he can succeed in separating us from him because nothing can separate us from God Except if we decide to walk away from him and separate from him. That is ultimately the decision that's been given to all of mankind from the book of Genesis. And now for the last attack of the enemy. Number three, the enemy comes to Yeshua and proposes many kingdoms to him if he would bow down before Satan. We see in Matthew 4, verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Yeshua said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Here in this world, Satan will come to each and every one of us, just as he came to Yeshua, hoping to sell us many mansions and many kingdoms in exchange for worshiping him. And many in this world have gained the success of the world because of their worship of Satan. But then Yeshua said to us that as his children, his father prepares a place for us, a place of many mansions. See, there is a spiritual possession that has been promised to us all as an inheritance. A possession much greater than anything in this world that will pass away. And Yeshua, of course, himself possessed all of that which the father had for him in the spirit. But the enemy even thought of coming to propose to Yeshua all these earthly things. But Yeshua having his mind on the things of the spirit was able to reject the voice of the enemy because he knew that he had a greater possession waiting for him with his father. It is important for us all to be reminded of the possession that we have in the father that is awaiting us and to not give that up for any type of temporary pleasure here today at the cost of worship of the father. It's funny how Satan often comes to try and sell humanity something which they actually already have in the father. He tries to sell us a counterfeit of the real thing, a counterfeit mansion to the mansions, the houses in heaven, a counterfeit gift to the many gifts that the father has for us, a counterfeit Kingdom in exchange for the kingdom of the father. I would like to tell you that Satan is going to try and sell you many things that you actually already possess. If only you could know what you already possess. I pray that you would be able to withstand all of these attacks of the enemy to guard your temple. This precious thing that the father has given you. And even more so, the Holy Spirit that he has given to indwell your temple, cherish him, walk with him with the fear of God, but also boldly glorify his kingdom above anything else in this world. And then you will receive a great reward when you are face to face with him. Father, I pray, Lord, that as we approach Shavuot, that you would remind us and teach us how to walk in your spirit responsibly. Father, help us to guard our temples and to guard the people of God against the attacks of the enemy. Father, I ask, I speak against every attack of the enemy that's try to come against your people. And Father, I thank you that you would give your people the voice and the boldness to tell Satan to get behind them, to resist the devil so that he will flee. Father, I thank you that you would give us a love for the things of your kingdom above a love for the things of this world, that we would love the bread of the presence more than the bread of this world, that we would love this son more than anything in this world. I pray all of this in the name of Yeshua, I am excited to announce that we are going to have a Shavuot online conference during the week of Shavuot. Please stay tuned and text Yeshua to nine four zero 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 to be notified of when we go live with this conference, which will be featuring six speakers. And we will also have a Q&A panel discussion after the teachings. I'm excited to invite you and to see you there joining us. And I want to say a special thank you to all of our partners who make these broadcasts and teachings possible. Many, many blessings to you. Shalom.